What a great joy to see everybody on a rainy day. Hurricane Nate, or Tropical Storm Nate. We've got to get more creative names than Nate. If your name is Nate, I'm not saying your name is not creative. I just think when we're going to call a storm something, let's be a little more creative, right? This is not about the weather or the hurricane. How many of you uh, are, are fans of 90s TV sitcoms or TV shows? As a child of the 90s and 80s and something else, I don't know. I love 90s TV. I love the, the, especially NBC had a great show called Wings. Anybody remember that show, Wings? All right, that is not about Jesus right there. However, there was an episode where one of the pilots, because the whole, the whole, if you don't know the TV show, centered around this airport, the airlines and pilots and the happenings. Rarely, very rarely did you ever see the city or where the destinations. It really was just about this airport. And one day, Brian walks in to the airport, walking with a priest, and he's asking the question, so basically, sir, what you're telling me is if I just confess all my sins at the very last second, I can go to eternity. And the priest goes, well, yes, but, and then Brian says, oh, I'm good, thank you, and goes on about his life. Brian wanted assurance that when, when something happened, when the end times came, when Jesus came back to the world, that he would be just fine. And I think some of us, we, we want to know that, right? We would love to know when Jesus is coming back so we can prepare ourselves for the moments. In fact, one of this morning, one of the guys was joking about it. He said, man, if you could put it in my daytime for me, I would love to have the house clean and the barbecue going because we're going to have a party when Jesus comes and shows up. I was like, man, that's a great idea, but I can't give you a specific date. But the question still remains for us today, when is Jesus coming? And that's the question we want to look at today. We want to look at it because it's important. We look at this week and the happenings of this week. This is one of those weeks where we're just glad to get to Sunday, amen? You see some of the things that are happening in national news. We saw some things in local news. And you just praise God you made it to Sunday. And for some of you, that is the moment right there to celebrate. I just made it to Sunday. And so as we come together this morning, we want to talk about how we can be encouraged, even though we may not be able to give a specific date and time and place when Jesus comes, that we can see when is Jesus going to come? What are some of the the signs? What are some of the things that I need to be prepared for, for his coming? And so before we do anything, I want to pray because I don't want to enter into this time lightly. I don't want to just glaze over like this is an easy question and we can get out of here in three minutes and be done. But I think there's some things in the gospel that Jesus shares with us that are important as we prepare for the second coming of Jesus Christ. So with that, let's pray and then we'll dive in. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we get to spend together. This is your time to unpack your scriptures for truth that we need. So as we begin to look in the scripture and ask ourselves the question, when are you coming? When are the end times going to happen? God, that we would be positive and we would be encouraged and we would be challenged to know that there are things for us to do to prepare for that coming. And God, we celebrate that. If you choose to come in the next few moments, we are so excited because we will jump for joy in heaven. But God, if you choose to delay, that's up to you. But we want to prepare for what you want to do. We want to prepare our hearts and our lives for what you need us to do with the gospel. All in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this question of when will the end times happen? When will Jesus come? How about a study on Revelation? All three of those popped up on on our sheet of questions. That is the only repeat question we had. So as I was looking at questions like, well, what do I want to speak on? I noticed that everybody had left those three alone. So I said, well, why not? Uh, And if it's a, you know, you know, puts me on a higher pedestal, please don't. 
I'm just a sucker for studying, I guess. Who knows? But we want to look at that question because if it's important enough to be repeated, it's important enough for us to talk about. And so what is it about this end times? When is Jesus coming? What is going to happen? What are the things? And I promise you, I cannot cover in 30 minutes and 50, 49 seconds that everything that you need to know, you will know about here. But what I can do is answer the question the way that Jesus answered that question and begin to prepare us for being more confident in our relationship with Christ and knowing that when the time comes, we don't have to be afraid. We are ready to go, and we are ready to see Jesus face to face. Amen? So let's do this. I'm going to give you some stats this morning. You don't have to. This isn't a quiz. We're not going to write this down or anything like that. But you need to know how many predictions have been made about the coming of Jesus Christ. Since recorded history, 47 known predictions have been made about Jesus Christ coming back. 47. Of the 47, currently zero are correct. (laughs) And if that wasn't enough, there are six more dates still to come. The next one being in the year 2020, the furthest one out being in the year 2057. Feeling like those are not going to be correct as well. Because if you're 0 for 47, I don't think you got a shot on the next six. But how about the end of the world? Now, this one more people have taken a shot at because this one is not as many, not as a spiritual question, but people in any denomination, religion around the globe, ones that believe in Jesus, ones that don't, all have this idea of they know when the end times are coming. And so 173 predictions have been made to date about the end times. Just in case you're wondering, all 173 have been wrong. So they are 0 for 173. I'm decent in math. I'm not a genius in math, but I'm pretty sure that that would not get me any type of contract in the game of baseball. But not to be outdone, there are still eight dates to come that we know of that people have made predictions about. The furthest one, if you do want to get your Rolodex out or you want to get your daytimer out, put this one down. This one's pretty important, I think. The year 11,120. That is not a typo. I did not mess that up. I rechecked that twice. 11,120. So what I encourage Mount Julie to do is the same thing I encourage you to do. Go home today, make yourself a time capsule, buried in the yard with a note of open up in 11,120. The ground is soft today, so it shouldn't be that difficult. All this to say is we have asked ourselves for years and years and years, when is the end of the world coming? When is Jesus going to return? We have events all around the world that are asking, making us ask that question. I want you to know that this list of, of you know, almost 200 things or predictions that have been made, these are not crazy people. These are biblical scholars. These are well-respected pastors. These are scientists. These are denominational founders. The ones that we, if I said the denomination, be like, oh, okay, yeah, I know that one. These are leaders of false religions, so we do have some of those in there. And some of them are best-selling authors of whose books you have. Some of the notables, Sir Isaac Newton, we well-respected some of his advancements and some of his information and research. The year 2000 was when he thought that Christ would return and the millennial age would begin. Harold Camping was one that we, we knew of pretty well just a few years ago. He made predictions. Actually, he made two of them because apparently he got the date wrong, and then he said, you know what, maybe I was wrong. About four months later, let's try again. Still wrong. And then one of my favorite, favorites is a guy named Edgar C. Wisenant in 1988 wrote a book, 88 Reasons Why the Lord Will Return in the Year 1988. Genius. 
gave away four and a half million copies and sold nine and a half million copies. There's money to be made in this. These, these men, these women, these people that are well-respected, that have done a lot of homework, they're all wrong. Because what they fail to do is realize one scripture that Jesus says clearly that I'm going to share with you in a little bit. How's that for a teaser? But we get into it. I want to turn to Matthew chapter 24. Jesus is, is on his way back to Jerusalem. They're walking around the city. The disciples are, are really seriously, if you look at the first two verses in Matthew 24, they are admiring the view. Specifically, they're admiring the temples. And they're looking and saying, oh man, look at that architecture. Look at that building. That's a beautiful building. Man, that is the temple of all temples. Surely the Lord will reign in there forever. And Jesus said, you know what? That temple's coming down brick by brick. That temple, every stone will be destroyed. And so that in their minds, the disciples are starting to think, well, he's talking about the end times. He's talking about his second coming. He's talking about this, what we need to know, because we're his disciples. We've got to be ready. What Jesus was talking about is in 40 years from this date, which they did not know at the time, 40 years from the date that Jesus said that, that temple was destroyed. Good reminder here that the church is not a building. It's the people inside the building. It's the people in the faith of Jesus Christ. It's our family, church family, that makes it so important. So the disciples instill, they're thinking in this moment, when are you coming back? I mean, are you going to like walk away for a weekend and, and then we're coming back? Are we going to the beach? What are we doing here? And so Jesus begins to share with them what's going to happen and just to be very careful and be very cautious about getting too wrapped up into things that become the signs of the end times. So here's what he says. Let's look at Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24, starting in verse 3. And while he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples approached him privately and said, Please tell us, when will these things happen? What is the sign of your coming in the end of the age? And Jesus replied to them, and he said, Watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come to my name, saying that I am the Messiah, and they will deceive many. For you're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars. See to it that no one is alarmed, because these things must take place. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise up against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these events are the beginning of labor pains. Then they will hand you over to be persecuted, and they will kill you. You will be hated by all nations because of my name. Then many will fall away, betray one another, and they will hate one another. Many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Because lawlessness, lawlessness will multiply, the love of, of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. This is the good news of the kingdom that will be proclaimed to all the world as a testimony to the nations. And then the end will come. If you turn on the news... I'm pretty sure you can go about 45 seconds and find something that makes you go, oh, this must be the end. I get on social media too much for my own good, and I look at it about three Twitter messages in, a couple of Facebook messages in. Man, Jesus, you must be getting ready to come. You know, and sometimes we get scared by that question, do we not? We get a little uneasy when we start to think, well, this must be the end. This must be when Jesus is going to come because we are afraid, not of Jesus' coming, but we are afraid of getting left behind. And so what we need to do is realize that what is happening around us, 
listen to the words of Jesus because they can be of great encouragement to us. And we can stop waiting for the end times and begin to work for the end times. So, for instance, Jesus says this, in, in, starting in verses 4 through 8. He says, Beware of false prophets. Just in my lifetime, there have been some really notable false teachings and false prophets that have led men and women and children to their death. I will never forget back in, in my days living in Texas where David Koresh all of a sudden had every TV station pointed in his direction there in Waco, Texas. Because he was announced as the second coming of Christ. He had everything that sounded biblical. He had all these people trying to figure out what was going on. This must be the second coming. And how many of us lost sight of the fact that when Jesus comes, I don't think he needs guns or army or compounds or tanks. He simply needs Jesus. And we got lost in the shuffle reading some of these, some of these predictions. Some of them are very entertaining. And the ones that are well-respected pastors, you really, if I said their name, you'd be like, yeah, I watch him on TV all the time. I've seen sermons by this gentleman. And you wonder what did they miss out when Jesus says, beware of deceiving signs, beware of false teachings. Because John says it very clearly in his letter in 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. He says, he says this, he says, dear friends, do not believe every spirit. Next time you watch the news, put that on a little postcard or something. Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see if they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. If you get uneasy about the end times, I want you to begin with one little tip right here. Test the Spirit. Who said it? What is their relationship with Christ like? What is their end game? What is their angle? Because you think about the guy that sold nine and a half million copies. I know what his end game was. Some of him, he left all the way to the bank. Some of the other people that have come, they've left all the way to the bank. And sometimes in your car, they've left all the way to the bank. But the one that we need to pay attention to the most is Jesus Christ. He is the Messiah. Not a Messiah. He is the Messiah. And we need to pay attention to him. Some of these guys are in for themselves. They sound good because they're biblical. or They sound biblical, I should say that. That's why we study scripture. That's why it's so important for us to, to get into Bible study, to get into life groups, to be in community with one another so that if somebody says, man, I heard something on the news that it sounds biblical, that we can get together and we can research it. We can look at scriptures and say, hey, this is what it is and this is what it's not. Because it sounds good doesn't mean it is good. We have to test it by the word of God. This one is very one that for us, many of us, we know this all, all too well. Do not get scared when wars or rumors of wars begin to happen. I mean, literally in our world today, there are threats that multiple people have their fingers on nuclear bombs. And many of us, well, some of us, I can't say that I was there. Many of you remember what it was like to get under your desk at school. You remember watching the news when you were a little kid that if somebody hit the button, here's what we do to protect ourselves, knowing that truthfully there's no protection from it. Jesus says, don't worry when you hear wars and rumors of wars. They are happening. They will happen. These things will take place, but the gospel is still true. My power is still strong, and I will not leave you. Then we see famines and earthquakes, and I added hurricanes and natural disasters. Little did I know that Nate would make a, just a beeline for the coastline. By the way, that has to be the fastest moving hurricane I've ever seen in my life. 
But we think of Harvey and all the devastation. We think of Irma and all the devastation. We think of Maria and what she did to Puerto Rico. We think of the earthquake in Mexico City. We look at things like Las Vegas, and unfortunately, a young girl lost her life in Lebanon this week. We look at things all around the world, and we say, surely this is the end times. And Jesus says, no, they're just birth pains. They're terrible happenings, and we're not discounting them. But they're just terrible birth pains. Mama's in the room. Did anybody give birth off the first contraction? I kid you not, that was in the commentary. Because that's important to think. All the pain through the process led to something beautiful. All the pain in the process of what we're dealing with in the, word is gonna le- in the world is going to lead to something beautiful. And that is eternity with Jesus Christ. So let's not get scared and let's not be afraid of a little pain. Let's stand firm in it. Because the scripture is clear, that is, our, that is our step. We are to stand firm with the pain. Look at verse 13 in Matthew 24. The version I read from earlier says, But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Another translation says, The one who stands firm, the one who endures, the one who stands firm will be saved. So our call is simple. We must stand firm in the midst of the pain. We must stand firm when earthquakes and natural disasters and mass shootings and random acts of terror begin to happen. We must stand firm with the gospel. We must stand firm when we hear of false teachings and false messiahs and false religions because if we can stand firm with the gospel, we can save some of those that are following the false teachings and the false messiahs. If we can stand firm with the gospel, then when things happen that are terrible, we are not losing hope. We are gaining confidence because we know that Jesus Christ is with us. The one who stands firm. We need to do that through our Bible studies. We need to do that through just daily quiet times, through our life groups, getting to know what Scripture says. As people that are maybe new to faith, maybe some of you have been in Bible study only for a short time, one of the greatest things that you can do is ask questions. And I read this in my Bible. What does this mean? And take it to your life group. Take it to one of our staff. Bring it to me. Somebody, let's read Scripture together and show you what it means in context. Because we, scripture, scripture can be scary if we're not careful. But if we do it right and we live the gospel and we stand firm, things will happen and we will be confident. When will the end come? Jesus says this in chapter 24, verse 14. And this good news of the kingdom will be proclaimed in the world as a testimony to all nations. And then the phrase that is the million dollar phrase here, and then the end will come. Who are we preaching to? Well, let me tell you, there's a little organization. I say it's a little, it's pretty big. Wycliffe Bible, Translation, Wycliffe Bible Translators. Some of you may have heard of it. It's out of a, one of the centers, maybe it's the only centers in Texas, which is close to our university. Can I give you just what they're doing, just as one organization in this world? Right now, they have, they have known or, or they have tracked 1,400 languages that have access to the New Testament or some portion of the Scripture in their native language. I barely speak English correctly, but yet they have 1,400 languages ready to go with the Scriptures. They have more than 600 languages that have complete translated Bibles. You can find all those in your Bible apps. If you want to read one of those dialects, it's almost there. 7,000 languages are known to be in use today. Isn't heaven going to be a sweet place? 
Dear Lord, give us some translators there. 160 million people still need the Bible translated in their language. 2,400 languages across 165 countries have active translation or linguistic development work working right now. That's a lot of work left to do. 7,000 still need it, 24 at work right now. It's a lot. More than 1,600 languages still need to have a project begin. So who are we supposed to proclaim the gospel to? I mean, some of us, if we said, hey, would you take the Bible to the ends of the earth? Some of you would be like, yeah, I'll take it to the Caribbean, Australia, New Zealand. I might even go to Japan. i go to some of those places. But what if God was calling you to go to some of the places that you can barely see on the map? Callie and I had a family that was in one of our churches. They would literally drive from Texas all the way down to a remote jungle in Mexico And it would take them about a week to 10 days, depending on the waves of the the lake, that they had to ferry across with all their stuff and their car because there was no direct road to get to them. And they would look at him and they would say, why do you do it? He goes, because the gospel is needed in that area. What else do I need to say? Maybe we're called to, to go around the world and to help translate the gospel or just explain the gospel. But you know, there's other nations that we're called to as well. You know them really well. Your family. Your family needs to hear the gospel. Mom and dad, let me just say again, probably for the 18th time that it, since you've known me, some of you this could be the first time, do not at any time lose sight that you are supposed to be a part of that process and the leader in sharing scripture with your family. We love you guys so much and we are here as a staff and a church to support you in that, but do not give up responsibility of sharing the gospel in your home. We need to hear the gospel in our families. I would encourage many of you, if you're not right now, go home at night before you go to bed and have prayer time as a family. Read a passage of scripture. Talk about things of the Bible. My family, we have private prayer time at the end of the day. We talk about different things within Bible studies and different things. We're not perfect at it. We don't every day clock it like uh, like we probably could and should. But we're trying to instill in our family the importance of being gospel-centered. And I think it's important for all of us to, if we were to preach to the nation, let's start with the nation that's closest to us. Let's start with the nation that's in our house. How about your friends and your neighbors, coworkers, all these nations that are around you? These are people that you could share the gospel with. You don't need to have verse by verse perfect articulation of the gospel. Just begin to share your story and share it with them because they need to hear it. Because then the gospel will will kind of be the doormat for the end times to begin. I said it begin uh, a few minutes ago. I want to say it again. Let's stop waiting for the end to happen. And let's start working towards it. Jesus said the gospel will be proclaimed to the kingdoms as a testimony to the nations, and then the end will come. So then let's make the end happen. Then let's take the gospel to whoever needs it. Maybe some of you in here, you need the gospel, and we're so glad you're here. We want to be a church that provides you with the opportunity to learn about the gospel, the grace, the forgiveness, the mercy, the life of Jesus Christ. This guy that's, that's talking here that Matthew's writing, this is not somebody that just all of a sudden had an idea. This is the Son of God. And he is saying, I am waiting till everybody gets a chance to hear the gospel. That includes you. Today may be your day to come to know Jesus Christ. But the question that so many of us want to know When's Jesus coming? What's the date? What's the time? What's the place? Do I need to clean my house? Do I need to get the barbecue pit going? How is this going to work? 
I want to look straight to the Scriptures. Join me in Matthew 24, looking at verse 36. These are the words of Jesus. Not the words of somebody that studied, not the words of one of the disciples that came up with something. These are the words recorded of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, now concerning that day and hour, the question that you guys had, concerning the day and the hour, no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, only the Father alone knows. When is Jesus coming? I don't know. There's no clear-cut date, time, place. Only the Father knows when the Son will return. Jesus says, look, be alert. Since you don't know what day the Lord is coming, but know this, if a homeowner, homeowner had known what time the thief was coming, he would have stayed alert and not let his house being broke into. I think we would all agree to that. Jesus finishes, he says, but this is why you are to be ready because the Son of Man is going to come at an hour that you do not expect. Almost 200, over 200 predictions, all wrong. Anybody that walks up to you and says, I know when Jesus is going to return, unless their name is God, they don't. Only the Father knows when he's prepared to send the Son back. But we know that there are birth pains that are going to lead us to it. We know that we have a mission to share the gospel. And if we will live out our mission and we will share the gospel and expand the gospel and do whatever it takes to develop disciples of Jesus Christ who will gather, grow, and go, then we can make the end happen. Because then we can look at the Father with all honesty and say, Jesus, we have stretched the gospel as far as it can go. And Jesus will be like, well, let's go. But only the Father will tell Jesus for sure, go get him. Only the Father. So instead of focusing on the time and the place, let's focus on how we can be prepared. How can I be prepared for the second coming of Christ? Because if we're really honest, that's what we want to know. How do I know that I'm in a good place spiritually and physically and personally so that when the second coming happens, I'm not left behind, but I'm going to heaven? How can I be best prepared? The first thing that you can do is give your life to Jesus Christ. If you are not prepared to give your life to Christ, that is step number one, and that is the only step that you need to focus on right now. We cannot be prepared for Jesus to come if we don't know who Jesus is. It'd be like that house guest that you know somebody's coming over, but you don't know who they are, you don't know anything about them, you don't know what their tastes and flavors are, you don't know what, what couch they want to sit on, you don't know anything about them, you just know they're coming, and you don't know when they're coming. Jesus is not one to say mysterious and say, hey, I'll just let you know when you know. He's saying, I want to know you well before I get there. I want to be a part of your life well before it's time for me to come. I want to know what your family's like. I want to know what your situation is. I want you to know that you're not alone. I want you to know that everything in your past is not the way it's going to stay. It's going to be hope and eternity. I want you to be confident and know that I am the, the Son of God. And then he says, I think we need to serve the world. As we give our life to Christ, then we, get need, we need to serve the world. We need to get in a situation that we live out what we know. We don't just keep it and hoard it to ourselves. 
We need to serve the world with the gospel. That could be across the street. That could be, uh, that could be around the nation. That could be around the globe. It could just simply be at the grocery store helping somebody get their bags in their car. It could be at the gas station pumping gas so somebody can, especially in a few weeks, when it starts to get cold and they don't have to stand out in the cold. It could be simply as saying hello to somebody that has a frown on their face. But serve the world with the attitude that I need to know and you need to know that Jesus is real. Because then we can start sharing the gospel and we can start leveraging things in that relationship because we've served them. We've, we've got to know them. We are doing whatever it takes to help them develop in Jesus Christ. Third thing is we need to, we need to evangelize the world. We need to become evangelists. Now before some of you panic and go like soapboxes are issued at the door on the way out, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about sharing your story. If you've been on a mission trip recently, and the one that's closest to me is the ones that have been in Haiti, start sharing the story of Haiti. I loved it. I'm looking at Zach, so I'm going to pick on you just for a second. But Zach started texting me in Miami. He's not even home yet. And he's texting me, this trip was incredible. That's the story that we need to start sharing. You've been through some dark days in your life. We were able, I don't, I don't believe she's here, but there was a lady just a few weeks ago that she had been through some hurricanes and she had been through some really devastating times because of flooding and hurricanes. And yet she was over here just a few weeks ago saying, I know that I need to go where the hurricanes are and help those people because I've lived it. That's what we need to do with our, our, our story, our spiritual life. We need to share it with our coworkers. It's your story. They're your friends. Utilize that. Because I promise you, if the friendship is genuine, they will receive it. It doesn't mean they will automatically accept it, but they will receive it because they know that you love them and you care about them and you want the best for them. And that may take five seconds. That may take five years. It may take your entire lifetime. But serve the world, evangelizing the world with anybody you haven't come in contact with. If you say, well, I don't know scripture, that's fine. Ballpark it, because I promise you, by the time that you get the scripture to them, they will be in such a place that they will want to know, they will want to see it, and you can bring them in. It's kind of like a hook to a fish. You just start bringing them in and just let them see what Jesus is all about, and then they will be caught by the love of Jesus Christ way before they hear about where the exact verse in scripture was. We could do it. And then the last thing is, much like the, the, the third thing here, is promote the gospel. We have no problem in society promoting ourselves. Have you ever noticed that? I mean, seriously, because of social media, which I've benefited from, I love social media, I'm still a fan, this will not change my usage of social media, but it may change the message of social media. Instead of promoting me, why don't I promote he? Instead of promoting what, what I'm doing, let's promote what God is doing inside of me. Instead of promoting what is happening, you know, with different things, share scriptures. Start turning on different types of, of music. Promote the gospel. Your service is a promotion of the gospel. You sharing your story is a promotion of the gospel. But I will say again, in, in the same vein as what I was telling parents earlier, don't delegate the responsibility of evangelism to somebody else. You do it. Let's do it together. Let's take two or three friends and just go have a barbecue or have lunch and just start talking about Jesus. It's happened before. It can happen again. So all these things about when will the end times happen? The end times will happen when everybody's got to know about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because the scripture is very clear. This message will be preached to all the nations and then the world, the end times will come. We've got a job to do. Let's go do our job.
Let's go do whatever it takes to develop disciples of Jesus Christ who gather, grow, and go through the gospel of Jesus Christ. The second thing is, when is Jesus coming? Don't panic. Don't get scared. Let's work for it. Let's work so that Jesus can come back. Let's just make our whole mantra, hey, whatever it takes to get Jesus to come back, that's what we want to do. We want to share the gospel. We want to reach into our community. Trunk or treat, coming up in here in a few weeks. Everybody should have a trunk or somehow involved in that because that's a great way for us to reach into the community because I promise you when you say free candy, the community will come to you. We all need to have games and activities and be a part of that. Drop a cake, drop a pie in my office first so I can try it. But drop that off. <laughs> Always got to work that in. But drop that off because baking a cake or baking a pie that somebody takes home that remembers I got this at that church, I might want to go check out their children's ministry or their student ministry or their, their worship service. My family got saved because we went to a worship service. My eternity plans have now changed because of that worship service and the gospel being preached. All started with, I made a cake, I made a pie, and it went to a Halloween event. Let's do whatever it takes to promote the gospel. We don't need to be scared when Jesus comes back. We need to be ready for it. Our worship should be hallelujah practice. Our, our times as the gospel, as the things of the news, Test the spirit. CNN, you want to I'm going to test that spirit. Fox News, I'm going to test your spirit. Just because it sounds good doesn't mean it's right. All those Twitter messages, anybody can say anything in 140 characters or less. Actually, now it's 280. You can say anything you want and scare me. But I'm not going to be scared because I know Jesus Christ. I'm not going to be dismayed. Or I'm not going to be discouraged because I know Jesus Christ. I will get scared at a hurricane. I will get scared at a tornado. I will get scared at an earthquake. I will get scared at a famine. I will get scared when something happens to my family, when something happens to my community. I will get scared. But I know Jesus Christ. My fear will be replaced with the gospel. So as we come together, when is Jesus coming? We don't know. But let's prepare like it's happening tomorrow and share the gospel with whoever would listen. And do whatever it takes to stretch the gospel to all the nations.